I, I just want to move on to uh, the nature restoration law here because we had an interesting uh, passage of the nature restoration law through the European Parliament. The mm. largest centre-right group to which of which Fine Gael is a member uh, voted largely against the nature restoration law with the exception of uh, Fine Gael's MEPs. Yeah, Fine Gael's five MEPs uh, supported the passage of the law. Um, I think Midlands Northwest MEP Colin Markey got some assurances from... Um, one of the uh, commissioners responsible for this, Maro Sefcovic, around um, the law itself, which allowed him the uh, the, the wherewithal to, to, to vote for it. But there was two Irish MEPs who didn't vote for it, Sinn Féin's only MEP, Chris McManus, and um, uh, Luke Ming Flanagan, the, the independent MEP, both Midlands Northwest. And both in the um, same group, the, the left group. In yeah, the correct, Parliament, yeah. Right? Uh, and the, the Sinn Féin vote... Um, was a bit of a surprise, I think, um, given that Chris McManus had said uh, in June, for example, that that the text, as as it had been uh, designed then, was 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 uh, something that was a positive thing. Um, and then obviously we have this what what appears to be the split within Sinn Fein because Lynn Boylan, the the, the senator um, and the um, Dublin European election candidate for Sinn Fein. And the party's uh, climate justice spokesperson um, hailed the uh, passage of the law as great news on X, but has not said anything uh, subsequent to that. Um, I'm sure Claire will outline Sinn Féin's position in detail on this. But on the Fine Gael side of things, an interesting intervention today from Patrick O'Donovan, the Office of Public Works Minister, Fine Gael uh, Minister TD for Limerick. Um, he was on Radio Kerry this morning and was very critical, uh, saying he was disappointed in the Fine Gael MEPs who'd supported the passage of this law because he argues that this law would effectively, um, that it's impossible to achieve the aims as set out by the uh, Malcolm's colleague, the Minister for Nature, Malcolm Noonan, that uh, it would only involve uh, the restoration of, of um, state lands and um, it would only involve, um, and that there would, there would be no compatibility on farmers, that farmers would be able to, to sign up to it voluntarily. Uh, but, but Patrick Donovan is arguing this will have major implications for the kinds of schemes he's involved in. These are flood relief schemes primarily uh, to avoid flooding of households across the country um, and he is highlighting problems that he's had with a number of flood relief schemes that have been bogged down in planning and objections for, for years if not decades. Um, so it's very interesting kind of inter-party wars in relation to this. Right. Uh, but look, it's passed the European Parliament. It's expected to be signed off by the uh, the Council of Ministers and then I think member states have two years to come up with plans for how they, individual member states, will um, uh, meet the goal set out to, uh, I think it's restore 20% of lands by 2030. 30, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 30, 30, well, of, of drained peatlands, it's yeah. 30% by 2030, 40 by 2040, and, and, and 50 by 2050. Marco Kostig, uh, as I understand it, whether this passed the European Parliament or not, the Irish government was committed to implementing a version of this and, or, or, or it, this, uh, this legislation itself unilaterally was that the case we were doing it anyway um absolutely because it needs to be done that's the, the straight up fact of the matter but uh, an unlikely quotation has been running in my head uh, around the nrl from matilda the musical even if you're little you can do a lot and mustn't that little thing like little stop you um ireland changed the course be careful ireland changed the course of this legislation at a european level and uh, in fairness and fair play to the Fine Gael MEPs, the not, not at this stage. Stay with the Matilda team. <laughs> Very good. You're on fire tonight, Colin. Um, Sean Kelly won't. At like the that. previous level, it was actually the swing in Irish votes that kept this law alive. And on the European level, uh, the fact that those Fine Gael MEPs made the right decision 
All right, okay. is really, really, really significant. But no, we're but committed ju- ju- just to just on 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 because the just transition part of this is the one that uh, you know concerns a lot of people coming from a farming background. Yep. What's been pointed to is that the government is in in the process of setting up this. 3.1 billion euro nature fund. Yeah. Is that going to be used to implement the nature restoration law, bring people on, on, on uh, along with them and compensate people uh, on, on, or incentivize them to implement this? That is part of it, but uh, now that the nature restoration law has passed, I mean, it's not going to touch the sides of it. So it's, it's very significant that Ireland has put that 3.1 billion to one side and actually as well if you look at the infrastructure fund that kind of counter cyclical thing and I I think Jed would agree on an economic analysis of doing that kind of thing and long term thinking with your money Um, but there absolutely needs to be funding for this at a European level CAP isn't going to do it Mm. CAP's not going to touch the sides of it it's going to it'll have to happen in the next mandate but we do need that multi-annual financial framework to back this up and just on a straight economic an- analysis and Claire knows these figures as well because it'd be very much the case in the northwest your average sheep farmer is making 16 grand a year that's not an income that means the system as we have it right, now so, so isn't you, working for anybody are, are the average assert- sheep farmer is making 20 grand a year are you to a, year, a certain extent taking an a punt on the next multi-annual financial framework, which doesn't begin until after 2027, are you taking a punt that it will be looked after in that? I mean, you're, you're voting I for the nature restoration law, which you say yourself, 3.1 billion is not going to touch the sides of it. And you're hopeful that the multi-annual, multi-annual uh, financial framework, as yet unpassed, is going to do the heavy lifting on this. I think you? it would have been much more difficult for us to do it on our own to do it solo because you would be in a position whereby you're funding it. But this is a law now. This is a central pillar of the European Green and Social Deal. It's absolutely imperative. And what we need to need, what we need to make sure of is the MEPs that we elect at the next opportunity are going to go into that mandate and decide that that multi-annual financial framework includes adequate funding for the NRL. And that's something that worries worries me about the Sinn Féin position on this. Claire Curran, Lynn Boylan said, great news, uh, as Hugh said there on, on, on X, uh, when, when this was passed. You've opposed this and Chris McManus voted against it. So how is it within one party, one person's great news, uh, uh, something to be opposed by other members of the party? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a bit unsure of the surprise here. I mean, in political parties, there can be more than one view on an issue. I, I don't <laughs> think there's anything too hectic in relation to that. It's unusual in your it, own party uh, well, for, I mean, for, for public debate of issues to I come mean, out like I this, remember a time when we were accused of taking direction from imaginary people in Belfast. Now we have a situation where there's healthy debate in a party and that's questioned as well. Lynn Boylan has very strong environmental credentials. She had her view on this. We had a different view in relation to this. And it's as simple as this. The text that was in July that we supported was not the text that came before the European Parliament this week. There was a number of changes in it. We had set out repeatedly five red lines. I set them out here in an amendment to a Dáil motion. We set them out at every opportunity in Europe. We made submissions. We made amendments. We were proactive at every level in relation to this. And also in press statements, we made clear our What's five red lines. What's the main objection? 
there is no funding which is usually concerning and it's fine to say oh well we'll have a few Irish MEPs multi no we there could have been a commitment Mark I'll just finish there could have been a clear commitment in the law that funding in the multi-annual financial framework would be there instead what we have is we're going to look at it in 2028 which isn't good enough there was also explicitly a part in the law in July in relation to compensation an issue that has come up particularly for farmers in the Midlands where Borden and Mona are already re-wetting bog and there's concern for neighbouring farms. That was there in July. We welcome that. That was not there this week. And if the permanent funding was there guaranteed, which it isn't, and there's a major question mark over whether this funding will be there at all because when this framework comes up again, one country alone can actually say no to this. And there's already talk in Europe that possibly Hungary might look to block it. So there is no guaranteed funding at a European level. And I will not stand over for farmers a fund that is going to impact them hugely in relation to the actions that they'll be asked to do with no funding and no compensation. Right. Jed Nash, uh, did you welcome the passage of this bill through the European Parliament? <coughs> Absolutely unequivocally uh, and I'll tell you why um, for, for two reasons and actually I think it's important to, to note this um, that the two main um, blocks driving um, the agenda here on the nature uh, restoration law were actually the Green Group but principally actually the Socialist and Democrats group uh, the Labour group, which is the second largest group, uh, the EPP generally tried to kill this off uh, on a number of uh, different uh, occasions. And, and Mark's absolutely right. I think we need to look at the next European election through the lens of who we are actually sending to Brussels and Strasbourg to represent, of, re- represent us in the context of the spectrum of European groups that are working on incredibly important fundamental existential issues uh, like this. And it, it's why we need to elect people like Ian O'Reardon sure, and Neil Furrigan but, but, to but, the European right, Parliament. But, but, but would it be um, fair to say the, uh, e, the EPP's, hang on a second, the, mm. the EPP's voter base is largely farmers and, and rural constituencies. The socialists and democrats in the European Parliament are not really dependent uh, on, on a rural base. That, that, that's that's take, to take a very narrow view um, of this. Actually, what's required from uh, those who purport to represent rural communities is actually leadership. Is leadership on this absolutely existential issue. And it is right, I think, for farmers to ask, look, where is the plan and where is the funding? I mean, this evening I chaired a meeting of the Budgetary Oversight Committee and the Fiscal Advisory Council were there uh, to talk about their new climate report. Uh, and there are two things, I think, that emerged from that meeting this evening. And I question them on the resourcing that will be required and the plan, that, the joined up plan that will be required to f- support farmers who are on extremely low incomes, as Mark said, who are farming in a certain way at the moment and who will need to transition. We're talking about, on average, €500 million Euro of investment over and above the kinds of investments that are taking place already today up to 2030 on an annual basis. And Mark touched on the point, I very much welcome the establishment of the Infrastructure, uh, Nature and, and Climate Fund. That's a fund of 16 billion euros and only 3.15 billion euros has been set aside for the nature and climate peace. And unfortunately, that's actually only going to be able to be tapped from 2026. Okay. And nobody could actually explain to me why that's the case, given the urgency of the investment that we need we need now. OK, uh, Mark Okasik, the... Um the commitment under this uh, new nature restoration law is that the EU countries have to restore at least 30% of drained peatlands uh, by 2030. Now, 69%, according to the Ireland, Irish Peatland Conservation Council, 69% of Ireland, Ireland's peatlands are, are privately owned, which means the state, if it's to do uh, its portion, will you know, re-wet a, a, a large part of that. But even if the state re-wet all of its, its peatlands, it's not going to. It's not going to cross the uh, 
the necessary boundary to to do proportionally what's required at the European level, is it? No, I think we can do a lot of the heavy lifting out to 2030, out to 2040 on state lands. But by 2050, <clears throat> yeah, it's going to require a lot more buy-in. We focused almost exclusively as well on this idea of peaty soils or re-wetting. <clears throat> we haven't looked at any of the other issues that actually could prove to be a lot more challenging. The, the restoration of riverine habitats, for example, you know, free-flowing rivers, all of those things that you talked about, Minister O'Donovan talking about, because the OPW likes to build big walls. They don't like to look at actual natural solutions upstream. The Arterial Drainage Act, is that going to be fit for purpose in an environment where we're doing nature restoration and also in a a changing climate environment? We, We haven't talked about the marine ecosystems at all. We haven't even talked about the fact that, you know, we're talking about the restoration of habitats and it's been used as this great big bogeyman that oh, we're going to rewild everything going. Meadows are a habitat. I was saying to your researcher earlier, field bunting, there's a clue in the name, they require fields. You know, so we're not talking about one type of solution that's going to carpet the entire country. We're talking about the right solution in the right place and that it also goes to the fact that this has been painted as being incompatible with food production. In no way is it incompatible with food production. And I have to say, and Sinn Féin, I actually sat in the Housing Committee earlier and I was hearing Deputy O'Brien talk about, he literally used the words nature restoration while arguing for the inclusion of, of hedgerows. I, I actually, you know, the protection of hedgerows all on board for it. But to hear him talking about nature restoration in the context of the European vote, like it, it's more flip-flops than an RTE oh, barter account here. Like, honest to God, <laughs> they're all over the shop on the issue. Right. But the, Claire, the Claire, voters okay. pay right. attention. Claire, Claire voters pay attention because you, what you say and how you vote that should be the same thing. In this your, your, instance, pre- your, predecessor, uh, your predecessor in the, the ag, ag brief in, uh, in Sinn Féin, Matt Carty, said, that, uh, said to a gathering of farmers that the best thing that could happen to Irish farming was, would be for the Greens to be wiped out uh, electorally. And it doesn't, it doesn't look like that environmental concerns were to the fore when he made that statement. Look, I mean... Pandering. Farmers have to move in relation to the environment and they will. Right. And if this was announced today, and I think if the EU were actually serious about it, they would have committed money behind it and it could have been included in the law. They didn't do that. And I think the EU have really missed an opportunity here where you have a situation where there's an awful lot well, the of negativity money is the from farmers. Bit, but what's, what's the regulatory bit? Yes, what's but the stick bit? We, we don't know what the actions are going to be in relation to what this is going to look like. We don't know what farmers are going to ask to do. I know another change in the text that was there yesterday is actually going to prioritise Natura 2000 sites they're going to be prioritised between now and 2030 and they're the farmers that are already doing more than anyone in relation to nature restoration already and yet they're going to be hit again so this hit has to be yeah but hit again they're restricted again. on what they can do Huge Mark they're not financially yeah. supported Huge and, and the focus should be on all farmers not just let's look at the ones in the nature natural 2000 right, yeah look I was just going to say like you know Lynn has obviously put out a tweet and it's ex- exposed whatever you, that's probably a dramatic word but it, it, it has thrown up this this broad church of Sinn Féin of opinion within Sinn Féin but like Lynn has not commented any further on this I haven't heard anything from Darren O'Rourke for example mm. or, and, you know, I've been trying to contact both of them over the last 48 hours uh, to no avail to get their views in relation to this like what is the view of the environmental uh, spokesperson spokespeople of, of Sinn Féin and you know Claire's out talking from the agriculture perspective and the farm perspective that's all fair enough and Chris articulated those views as well in, in his statement um, uh, yesterday but like it would be good to get a more uh, in-depth view 
of the uh, climate spokespersons of Sinn Féin. And we hadn't heard that, which I... Claire you know, Grant, do you, do you need, can you enlighten us? Well, I yeah. mean, I think it's fairly clear. Like, Lynn clearly would have liked for us to support nature restoration. I would have liked for us to support nature restoration. I don't restoration. think it's unreasonable to hear but, more from, but I, from yeah, and, Lynn, you know. And I can't say for... That, no, I'm not asking you to fine. account for why she's but, not returning but, my calls. But what but. I'm saying is, I mean, I think it's quite obvious. They, they wanted us to support this. I wanted to support it. We supported it in July. But when two of our five red lines were not met, we could not support it. And I cannot in good faith stand to farmers and say there's no funding here, there's no compensation as a safety net. Sorry. I think those red lines are a bit of a movable feast, quite frankly. Well, they've been and published are, several uh, times. Maybe used uh, to kind of suit a particular argument at a point in time, especially when difficult questions have to be answered. And I think what, what, what this does do is kind of expose the inherent contradictions that are everyday in evidence in Sinn Féin. I mean, Sinn Féin are, let's be frank, not considered really by most to be a progressive left party of the social democratic mainstream, even though they purport to be. Uh, they are a party uh, world by, contradictions. By, by most, by most, by, by most contradictions. Too. I mean, you have you know rural conservatives, you have militant Republicans, you have genuine social democrats and uh, democratic socialists. But a lot of those inherent contradictions, I don't think, would survive the first week in government when difficult decisions are going to have to be taken. I mean. You know, they, they, they're at odds on, on this very fundamental existential question where young people especially are looking for leadership. And when they look to Sinn Féin for leadership on environmental and climate questions, this is what you get. Oh, it's, okay. it's, it's the same when you talk about decriminalization of drugs, for example. They are moving now on carbon tax, moving very much to the right on questions of immigration as well. And we know where Labour left their principles when they went into government and the mad damage they did, particularly to our most vulnerable citizens, I think of lone parents and children in particular. So look, never mind all that rubbish. We set out our five red lines repeatedly. We submitted amendments, we engaged, we were proactive from start to finish. And now that we have the plan to be done in the next two years we want to get the farmers around the table we want to see widespread consultation we want to see the plan done and we want to see funding and right. compensation included in that plan and we may as well just get on with it Marco Kosick so it's going to go to the uh, European Council now and then it'll be uh, published in the EU official journal if there's agreement uh, at that level but when does the consultation begin on on, on, on the Irish uh, front of this and you know or, or do you plan to to found some kind of a forum to make sure that this brings everybody along with you yeah, I'm trying to scratch through my notes here now and the relevant paragraph isn't going to come to me. Look, we're ahead of the curve on this because we we were going to plough ahead anyway. So, you know, in a lot of European member states, they're saying, OK, we have two years, the clock is ticking. We're laying the groundwork on this already. Absolutely has to be consultative. I think there's a huge, like, there's a huge job of myth busting that's going to have to happen here because there's a lot of scaremongering that's happening around people being driven off their land and mentions of Cromwell and all this carry on. Mm -hmm. So people have already tried to, you know, they've tried to poison the well on this one already. I'm convinced that this can be good news for the people who manage our landscape because we're still going to require large numbers of people to manage the landscape. We, we are just going to change the focus on what it is we want that landscape to do. It'll still do food production. 
but we also needed to do carbon sequestration. We also needed to do water management. We needed to do flood prevention, and we needed to we needed to maintain our natural world at the same. But time. if you're looking if you're I looking at the multiannual financial framework, the successor to the current one not coming into effect until. 2028, what can you promise farmers to bring them along with you? Well, I think if we, Jed played this game earlier, if we elect Grace O'Sullivan, uh, Kieran Cuff and Pauline O'Reilly, particularly to represent Midlands Northwest, they'll be a strong voice telling people, particularly Midlands Northwest, where we've seen massive actually movement towards organics, you know, acre scheme, all of those things are, are actually really successful in that context. They'll be strongly arguing the case that we have a way of life and the Irish landscape which is extremely precious to us. We want to maintain right. those communities and we need the funding and to make it Hugh, Hugh it's a, the Sinn Féin isn't the only party that this has exposed divisions in as evidenced, as you say, by the mention of uh, Patrick O'Donovan yeah. earlier. Yeah, yeah, and like it's it's really interesting that he seems to have gone on a complete solo run on this. On um, I don't think he was just on Radio Kerry this morning. I think he was on WLRFM in, in Waterford as well. Sorry? I didn't hear. I, didn't, well, I, 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 I believe he might morning. be, but I'm, I'm not sure. But anyway, he's gone on a bit of a solo run here. Um, you know, uh, Mark's uh, colleague Pippa Hackett, the the Minister of State for Land Use, um, she she was very critical of him uh, this evening. Uh, Dan Boyle was was kind of uh, the former senator and the Green Party councillor in Cork was was quite nasty about him. I think in a tweet saying that it was um, this man is a fool, which I think is a bit unfair uh, to to level a charge like that. I'm sure, he would, he, he would fundamentally disagree with any. I think he qualified would. for the job he's in. Yeah, sure. I, I think it would. I mean, I think he's articulating a view that that like this will, Im- and I don't know if Mark wants to speak to this, but like that this will impact uh, even further the delivery of flood relief schemes, right. which are I'm often sure, held I'm sure up you, for environmental you, you distance reasons. Distance yourself from that personalised remark, would you? Yeah, absolutely. And Patrick O'Donovan has many things, and there's there's points of significant political difference between myself and Minister O'Donovan, but he's nobody's fault. Right, what if the really farmers don't want to come along with you? What if the farmers, what if you have to say, what if it reaches the point where you have to say the law's the law and you're just going to have to comply with it? What if it gets into that that, that zone? I think we end up in a situation like we, what we saw in Brussels uh, in the last few days. I think there is a a significant constituency of people. And if you look at actually what motivated the EPP and their positioning, what they were doing was they were guarding their right flank and there's a significant number of people who are purporting to be pro-farmer and I think we could we could map this let's say to the context in the Netherlands where I'm not entirely convinced I'm not convinced at all in any way shape or form that the farmers party over there were out for the best interests of farmers it's a way of saying the quiet part out loud maybe or not not the other way around uh, you know saying I am for this I am for farmers and particularly if they're of a you know, particular religion, particular skin colour and everything else that goes with it. So there's definitely people who are trying to weaponise this issue. There are people who are do you trying not think, to Do you not think it would be a mistake, though? No, no, no matter what, no matter what you suspect somebody's agenda to be, if their stated objection to a policy is one thing, if you don't engage them on what that stated objection is and you try and accuse them of something else, you're already uh, losing the argument. Well, I haven't accused farmers of anything at all. I've accused people who are trying to weaponize an issue, who I don't think are in the best interests of farmers at all. It's voluntary. And let's look at how people are voting in their, with their feet. So the, the people that we're talking about in those marginalized farms are already moving in their droves to the organic scheme. All right. They're already signing up in their droves to the acre scheme. There's there's rooftop <laughs> solar going on, sheds up and down the land as people try to drive authentic, 
on-farm income. So actually, a lot of these marginal farmers are saying a 16 grand for sheep farmer, 20 grand for a beef oh, farmer. And, and, you did, and you did make that point. But Claire, Claire Curran, there's, there's, there's an emergency break in this. But that makes the Claire need Claire Claire there's an break in this. even more important. Are you reassured at all by the, by the law providing for an emergency break as requested by the European Parliament, they say? It, I mean, again, a lot of the language in it, including that, is very loose. I mean, we don't know what grounds on which that will be under. As I've said, we have farmers already today in but the But it says targets for agricultural ecosystems can be suspended under exceptional circumstances if they severely reduce the land needed for sufficient food production in EU consumption. Exactly, but but what is, what is that going to look like? Like what significantly reduce, you know, and in relation to food production, like that's not clear in relation to what that will look like. And we have farmers today on designated lands that are usually restricted in relation to the farming they can do. They're not financially supported and they are the ones that are going to be prioritised between now and 2030 to take restorative measures. And I think at the end of the day, what would have been fair, and Mark said it, we need funding outside of CAP, but there is no guarantee of funding. And that is my greatest concern in relation to this. Farmers are under huge pressure. Input costs have never been higher. Incomes have never been lower. Their futures are so uncertain. And I am very straight in saying there should have been funding committed to this. And if the EU were serious about it, they should have had funding committed with it. And that part on compensation, which no one is speaking about, was explicitly there in the July text, was not there this week. And that should have been retained. All right. Um, We're going to move on. We're going to take a quick break. We're back. We're going to have a look at what happened in Belfast's High Court earlier today. The Late Debate with Colm O'Mungan on RTE Radio 1.